Oi. Look, that kid was a killer, all right? That wasn't a tinker toy in his hand. That was a machine pistol with twin carbies and all the trimmings, man. He would have drilled you, me, anybody that came along, all right? You had no choice. Oh, no. It didn't happen to you, Riz. It happened to me. It happened to me. Look, I, I, I kill that kid. I, I kill that boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, you kill a lot of people. You kill a f***ing lot of people. Yes. You ever yes. kill a baby? You got ice, ice in your face. You ever kill a, a boy like Nick? You selfish bastard! You selfish bastard! You're just thinking about yourself. What about me? Huh? We're partners. We're partners. What happens to you happens to me. After all the we've been through, don't you get it? Don't you get it? When you retire, you're not just retiring you. You're retiring us. You're retiring us. It's not my problem. Yes, it is. It's not my problem. You're the only family I got. I got three beautiful kids. I love them. They're yours. Trish does my laundry. I live in your icebox. I live in your life. What am I going to do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? I don't care. Yes, you do. I don't care. Yes, you I don't do. care. Yes, you do. I don't care. Yes, you do. I don't care. You do. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. There's a bomb in that building. No, there's a bomb in that building. There is not. There is a bomb in that building. And you know how come I know there's a bomb in the building? Because oh, no. I got eight days to retirement, and I will not make a stupid mistake. Look, there is no bomb in that building. I will bet vital parts of my anatomy to the fact. Now, look. Just, just, just look. Trust me. my first mistake. I don't have it on me, okay? I wasn't driving, okay? I was walking. What, do I need a walking license oh, now? Let's just shoot. Oh, 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 get out of the way, Roger. I'm going to drill him. Would you make it look like suicide? Get out of the way. Would you make it look like suicide? I don't care. I'm still going to drill him. Get out of the way. Get out of here before my brother kills you. Go that way. Not that way. This way. Over there. Go right around. Hey, Nick. Hey, Dad. You good? Word. From what I've seen of their records, the only thing they do contribute is mayhem and chaos. No, I'm chaos and he's mayhem. We're a double act. What are we, required reading or something? What are you doing? Well, I can't shoot a dog. People are okay, but not dogs. Hey, we're looking for a friend of yours named Travis. <laughs> well, I've never heard of him. You tell him Dolores was here. You tell that man that he's the jam in my jelly roll. <laughs> I'll see you, baby, okay? Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I got it. What? I got it. And I remember. You got it. I remember. remember. I remember. You remember. You remember. <laughs> you remember. Hey, 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 don't do it. I'll let the earring fool you. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. we're back. We're back! Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah. You think I could get a gun this time? No! Welcome to Soup Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be back. This is the uh, Lethal Weapon 3 episode, and uh, it's early Saturday morning, man. I'm awake, and I have a lot of stuff to do today, which is why I wanted to record this episode so early in the morning so I could uh, record, edit, and send this sucker out to you guys. Today, I got a busy day. I got a lot of housework to do because tomorrow is WrestleMania. And you guys know I'm a big wrestling fan, and uh, I got some people coming over, so I can get the house all cleaned up and all that other fun stuff. So, needless to say, uh, I'm pretty pumped up to be talking Lethal Weapon 3, because I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and if you guys remember, in the uh, you know Lethal Weapon 2 episode, I believe it was, where I said that Lethal Weapon 3 is the weakest of the series for me. 
But uh, you know, after watching it again, it's gonna. I have some interesting things to say about this film. So the question will be: Do I feel the same? Do I like it more? Do I actually like it even less now after time has gone by? So it's gonna be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. But before we roll into the review of *Lethal Weapon* three, let's of course roll into some movie and music news. Put my love out on the line Never said yes to the right guy Never had trouble getting what I want But when it comes to you, I'm never good enough When I don't care I can play them like a Ken doll Won't wash my hair Then make them bounce like a basketball Like you, make me wanna act like a girl Alright guys, so let's talk about the story that has impacted me probably the most this week. And as you guys know, the last episode I did was G.I. Joe Retaliation, which was a bonus episode. Now, the bonus episodes originally, I was going to put on a different feed so that way... You know, they would be separate from the Lethal Weapon and Rocky series review and that kind of thing. But then I just finally said, you know what, let's just put it as a bonus. And if you want to listen to it, great. If you don't, you don't know, big deal. Now, G.I. Joe Retaliation was the first of the bonus episode. And then the next was going to be the Fast and Furious series review. Now, I need your guys' help. I just put up a question on the main Facebook page. So that's www.facebook.com slash podcast which essentially is asking you, do you want me to review the Fast and the Furious series? Because if you do, starting next week, I have to start it because Fast 6 is going to be out in, in about six weeks. So I need to get rolling on this. Well, uh, I did have some suggestions so far that says maybe you could just do one big episode for five of them and then just do a separate one for six. And I kind of like that idea because that way I don't have to every single week record you know, uh, each and every single movie, I can just pick a particular week that I'm going to do all the movies, and I think it'll be kind of fun. I've done that before with Nightmare on Elm Street review and so on and so forth, and I thought it was pretty successful. So I need your help. I need you guys to vote to let me know if you want to hear the Fast and the Furious series reviewed or if you just want to hear Fast 6. So, or if you like the idea of me grouping it together, then just make a comment below everybody else and say, yep, go ahead, do a whole series review in one episode. That would be fine. Uh, The reason I'm bringing this up is is that uh, Justin Lin is the director of the past few Fast and Furious movies. He started off with Tokyo Drift and then did the Fast and Furious, I believe it's called uh, the Fast and Furious. And then we have Fast Five, and now this one is called Fast and Furious Six. So, actually, no wait, 
it was Fast and Furious, and then Fast Five, and now Fast and Furious Six. That's what it was. Well, anyways, this guy has been attached to, you know, for four movies now, and he is not going to be returning for Fast Seven. Now, as you guys know, Fast Seven is supposed to be the last of the series. At the end of the credits of Fast Six, we're going to we're going to be introduced to. The villain of Fast Seven, and I'll tell you now that Tokyo Drift does get, um, you know, the timeline does fit into the end credits of Fast Six. So I'm looking forward to that. So Fast Seven will take place in the future. We will no longer be having prequel movies to Tokyo Drift, which is going to be super fun. I'm looking forward to it. And he is not going to be directing. Now, it's not because he has any issues with uh, the movie or anything like that. It's because Universal can't get their head out of their ass. And here's the thing. These movies usually take place every three years because it takes a lot of time to... You know, make the story, get everybody together, uh, do your special effects, get all these things. But Universal, they want their movie next summer. And as he said, there's no way you can possibly make this movie in less than a year. There's just no way, especially when I'm in post-production on Fast 6. I find this very disappointing. I think Universal needs to get their head out of their ass and just say, you know what? You need to do this movie and we will... You know, do it when you can. Because here's the thing. If you rush this, Fast 7 is going to suck. Do not rush this film, guys. I'm telling you. Because that's the reason why these movies have been so much fun. That's why Fast 5 was so awesome. Because you guys took the time to make this movie. Yeah, you left a big a big cliffhanger at the end of Fast and Furious. And we had to wait three years. Well, Fast 5 was worth it. You left the cliffhanger on Fast 5. We had to wait three years for Fast 6. So why not do the same thing for Fast 7? Okay, seriously. So it really irritates me that this guy has done an amazing job and the end product is not going to have his final touches on it. I really don't care about another director coming in because to me it just feels like a, a piece of the puzzle is missing. So I know some of you are going to be like, it's just a director, no big deal. But you know what? Directors make a big deal. That's like saying taking Christopher Nolan out of the Dark Knight or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's the Christopher Nolan, you know, Batman Dark Knight trilogy. And it's kind of like Justin Lin's trilogy, man. He's been rolling since Tokyo Drift. He's done the Fast and Furious, Fast Five. Fast 6. I mean, he could have ended it with Fast 7. So, very disappointed in this. And uh, it really, really sucks. So, uh, of course, G.I. Joe Retaliation is getting a sequel, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I can't say unfortunately. Here's the thing. You guys know I had some issues with that film, but... From what I have heard and the lowdown is, there was a lot of crap that was cut out of this movie, especially if you watch the end credits. You'll see a lot of footage that wasn't in this film. I think there was at least 45 minutes cut out of this movie. I want to see the director's cut. I have a feeling if I see the director's cut version of this film, it's going to fix a lot of issues I've had and probably raise my rating on the film. But hopefully with uh, the sequel... I assume The Rock will be back. I assume Bruce Willis and everybody else will be back. And hopefully they can, uh, you know, spend some more time on it now that we've kind of established a new uh, kind of story that they're taking for the G.I. Joe, you know, storyline. But uh, what is actually interesting, I heard, is that the uh, producer 
is willing to do a G.I. Joe and Transformer crossover. How crazy would that be? That would be insane to have a Transformer and G.I. Joe crossover. But Michael Bay will never allow that. Speaking of Michael Bay, oh, this is good. Okay, so you guys know that Pain and Gain comes out at the end of the month, which Pain and Gain is a movie that stars Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, and it's based on a true story of bodybuilders that essentially robbed and murdered people, and they're treating this as a comedy. Number one, this movie looks like trash, and I have no desire to see this film. And you're like, seriously? You don't want to see a rock film? It's true, because number one, I think Rock was totally off his wall, in picking this film i mean he's like i want to work with michael bay and mark Wahlberg. it'll be so much fun it's like you already work with mark Wahlberg when you did uh the the what is it the guy the movie with uh will farrell and mark Wahlberg. i know you guys are yelling at me the other guys yeah you were already in a movie with mark Wahlberg. sure you didn't work hand in hand next to him that much and yeah you died after 20 minutes spoiler alert but still it's just this was a bad move and it's already getting bad press because the survivors of the true story of pain and gain are very pissed off at this movie and how it's being treated as a comedy and all this and that and it's just like rock you made a huge mistake in doing this film so number one i have no desire number two you shouldn't make this a comedy because it's very a very serious situation and what happened in this of these guys uh robbing and killing people and it just uh i'm just i'm disgusted with this film to be honest with you i haven't even seen it and i'm disgusted with it it just irritates me so needless to say if you go to yahoo you're gonna see some bad publicity on this movie already from the survivors of the real pain and gain story so way to go rock you blew it so Let's move on to other stories here. So here's a fun one for you. Now we all know Man of Steel is coming out pretty soon. And we're all excited for it. And the trailer 3 is going to be coming out very, very soon. It's been getting some great reviews. Uh, There's going to be more in-depth look at his childhood in the trailer, I guess. There's going to be a lot more action. There's going to be some Zod stuff in there. And then there's also going to be childhood stuff and kind of hiding away from humanity. I'm looking, I mean, it, it sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to fix, you know, the lack of, uh, you know, the issues I had with the second trailer. Like I said, I liked it. I just didn't love it like everybody else. Now, we all know that they're not using the iconic Superman theme song that we all know from John Williams. So, of course, Hans Zimmer is the one that is doing the scoring, which I love Hans Zimmer. I love his work. It's great. Now, uh, I love the Dark Knight trilogy music. It's phenomenal. I love it. It's great. I think this guy will be able to come up with something great. And, of course, they asked him what it was like on, on scoring the Man of Steel. And, of course, he talks about trying to follow up on the John Williams score. And he's like, look, this was dawning. Seriously, he's the greatest film composer out there, without a doubt. And it happens to be one of his most iconic pieces of music. So I spent three months just procrastinating and not even getting a start on the thing because I was so intimidated. Oh my God, I'm following in John Williams' footsteps. Uh, I kept thinking of the story as, what if you... Uh, what if you are extraordinary and your entire ambition is to join humanity to become human? What does it mean to become human? What does it mean to be an outsider who really just wants to join the human race? Everything, Everything's tinged 
with irony and sarcasm and bitterness and darkness these days. Uh, so celebrating everything that was good and fine about America, such as small towns where people don't lock their doors, neighbors get together and families are families. This is kind of his inspiration on creating the music for the film. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I think he's going to come up with something brilliant. Uh, will it be better? I guess we'll see. Uh, you just you kind of have to separate yourself, man. When you finally, when I finally decided to separate the music of, uh, you know, Batman, you know, the score of the Tim Burton films, you know, uh, versus the Hans Zimmer stuff, man. I really love the Hans Zimmer stuff. I'll be honest with you. I think during the whole Batman series review, I think I said that I love the Danny Elfman score over the Hans Zimmer stuff. But you know what? I find myself listening to the Hans Zimmer Dark Knight trilogy stuff all the time. So it's actually better. So I think Hans Zimmer is going to do a fantastic job on this i have no worries whatsoever and i think in trailer three we get to hear the theme but it's not confirmed yet so i guess we'll wait and see what happens and finally for movie news uh, as you guys know jurassic park 3 is uh, not jurassic park 3 hello jurassic park the first movie is in 3d coming out very soon and uh sounds like it's uh, getting some pretty good press i think it'd be pretty awesome to go watch that film again and see it in uh, 3d i think it'd be pretty awesome but as you guys know they are planning on making a uh, drastic park 4 and evidently the plan is to have uh, new dinosaurs be front and center for drastic park 4 so now drastic park 3 i was a little bit disappointed in because you know i love the tyrannosaurus rex and never saw that sucker in, in number three and i remember number three it's been i saw it once and i don't remember liking it too much and I think it's because it was it felt so short. It felt like it was only like an hour and then it was over. So I'd have to go back and revisit number three. But number four is uh, going to have, you know, some new dinosaurs. And I think it's going to be pretty fun. So, and uh, that's it for movie news, guys. Let's roll into some music news. All right. So some cool stuff for you guys. If you are a P. Diddy fan and you're also a wrestling fan, tomorrow night on WrestleMania... He is going to be performing, and that song is I'm Coming Home. It's a pretty good song, and the girl in that song is actually the girl that first sang on the first single of Fort Minor. I can't remember the name of the single right off the top of my head. But anyways, if you happen to like those two, he will be performing. And also, if you are a fan of James Brown, he's actually getting a YouTube channel. But what's really cool is he's going to be filling up his YouTube channel with a lot of rare concert footage. And that's always stuff, that stuff is kind of always hard to come by. And I do want to apologize, you know, unfortunately it's just now hitting me that, you know, I never mentioned in movie news that Roger Ebert had died. And uh, it's such a, it's such a bad thing. He was seven years old. He bat- he was battling cancer and, and he died. He was such a humongous impact on the movie world. I mean, I may not have agreed with everything that he said but the man always had something great to say in his thoughts i mean he was always very well opinionated with what he had to say and just he was always thought-provoking and if there was a certain movie that i was really hoping for that would be just so good and if i saw he gave you know he gave it an excellent review i got super excited so uh, definitely thoughts and prayers go out to the families involved but uh he will be missed 
dramatically. I mean, in my opinion, he's probably the best film critic there ever was. But uh, I, I'm sorry I forgot that. It's just, you know, uh, it's just kind of, I don't know, man. Maybe I, I tried to forget it because there's been a lot of death going around my side of things around here. So, uh, but, you know, on a brighter note, going back to uh, music news, uh, something that I thought was pretty cool. You ever hear one of those songs and at first you're just like, this song sucks. And then they constantly play it on the radio and then eventually it grows on you. And then you get to the point where you're like, that song's awesome. I don't know why I didn't like it at first and now I got to go buy it. I've been that way for a couple tunes. One of them mostly is Thrift Shop. I don't know if you guys have heard this song. It's by Macklemore and Ray Lewis. But Thrift Shop is pretty much uh, spent its sixth non-consecutive week at number one on the Billboard 100. And it's a crazy tune. Uh, you've probably heard it during movie and music news. It's a crazy song. And, uh, of course, you need to hear the edited version of it because it's kind it's got a lot of swearing in it. But it's just a real funny, funky kind of song, and I kind of dig it. It's kind of weird. And another tune that I was like that as well with, this, uh, this Pitbull and Christina Aguilera song. Now, here's the thing. You guys know that uh, I'm a big, humongous fan of the AHA song, which is uh, Take On Me. I mean, I'm a huge fan of this song. Because you guys know, I mean, me and Jameson have kind of told you in the past that it's our favorite number one music video of all time. Well, when I first heard this song on the radio, I was really pissed off. And here's what the song is. It's essentially uh, a song where they take Take On Me and they do the da 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 you know they do that whole fast part the piano part and they do it in this song and then they kind of remade it it's kind of like a remake almost but not really of that particular song it's just they you know they sampled it they took that and made it their own well there's this song out there currently which Christina Aguilera is on the song as well and her voice makes it sound great and it's called uh, Fill This Moment. And uh, it's currently number 11 if you go to iTunes and you go to the top 100 singles. And, of course, number one is Bruno Mars, When I Was Your Man, which, you know, it's a, it's a good song. I dig it. Bruno Mars is kind of fun. Now, I'm not a huge Pitbull fan. Uh, you know, he's okay. But when I first heard this song and I heard the aha part, the sampling, I was so irritated. I was so upset. I, I really... Just flat out hated this song. But the more I've heard it, the more I've dug in it. And it has to do with Christina, man. Because, you know, in my opinion, Christina Aguilera has one of the greatest voices I've ever heard in my whole entire life. I mean, this girl can sing. Oh, she's so good. And she really makes a song for me. I think if it was just Pitbull without her, the song would be terrible. But uh, she really brings it up. And, uh, of course, Justin Timberlake is uh, at number seven with Student Tie, which is featuring Jay-Z. Now, Heart Attack, Demi Lovato, excellent song. I love it. Tawana is not a big fan of this song, but this is one of those uh, newer songs that you guys know on the G.I. Joe episode. I play My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark, Light Em Up by Fall Out Boy. I would highly recommend you pick up these new tracks that I'm really digging, which is um, Thrift Shop which is by Macklemore and Ray Lewis. And surprisingly, the edited version and the explicit version, both of them uh, are kind of neck and neck. You have the explicit version at number 14, and then you have it number 16, and then Fall Out Boy's number 15. Heart Attack is number 12. Uh, Fill This Moment's number 11. Mirrors by Justin Timberlake is number 10. 
and then he's at suit and tie at number seven. And then, of course, uh, Bruno Mars is number one. And then uh, if you're a big fan of Radioactive, that's number eight. So those are some good tunes I highly recommend you go check out. Now, uh, since I'm not doing CCP for a while, let's do something I haven't done for a while. And let's do some TV news. You're too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. All right. Now, Jameson and I will be returning for CCP at the end of the month. Uh, that's the goal. That's the plan. We'll be talking some Mary with children. Uh, but for now, I'm just going to throw you some quick TV news that I've been finding pretty awesome. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Just some really quick tidbits. Now, Jay August Richards may sound familiar to you if you were a fan of the show um, Angel. He was Gunn. Now, he has uh, joined Marvel's S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, which is pretty awesome, which, of course, makes perfect sense because he's part of the, uh, the Josh Whedon alumni, if you will. So it's going to be pretty cool. He's joining that. Now, there's a few shows that I've currently gotten into. There's this, uh, They're on Spike TV. One of them is like this guy that goes, and I can't remember the actual name, but it's dealing with uh, evicting people. It's like World's Worst Tenants, I believe is the name of the show. I highly recommend. Check it out. It's kind of fun. It's kind of dumb. But the show I'm really digging is called Urban Tarzan. And what this show is, is this guy, his name's uh, Tarzan and his and his friend is Caveman. Kind of think of, if you watch Auction Hunters, kind of think of Ton is what this guy looks like. And he goes and rescues these crazy exotic animals from people's homes or, uh, or like uh, cornfields, whatever. And they're usually kind of endangered or crazy animals that nobody wants to deal with. Like lions, uh, cobras scorpions i mean kind of think of billy the exterminator but you know uh this guy is all about he will not hurt the animal in fact he actually uh, is willing to die in order to rescue these animals and there's one point where he got bit by a cobra it's real crazy show and the people on this show are ridiculously insane uh, that he goes to help and rescue. One of them had an alligator in, in her pool, and this guy is all like, get that thing, you know, stop messing with my alligator, and you have his buddy pushing this guy around. It's real crazy. I mean, I, sw- I swear it's one of those reality shows that kind of fake a little bit of things, but it's super fun. So Urban Tarzan has been super fun show. I, I recommend that one. Of course, the Vanilla Ice Project, uh, which is on Do-It-Yourself Network, where... He flips houses, you know, he buys mansions, flips them, and uh, makes them awesome, and then he sells them. That's a great show because you learn so much about everyday housework, and uh, I've actually saved a lot of money working on my house by watching that show. It's super fun. And you may have heard the news, but Jimmy Fallon is set to replace Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, of course. Uh, we had this problem with Conan O'Brien, but Jimmy Fallon seems to work a lot better than Jay Le- uh, than not Jay Leno, but than Conan O'Brien did on that show. So we'll see how that goes. Of course, you guys know um, Walking Dead got renewed. Uh, Netflix is set to launch the new the new season of Arrested Development. That's going to be hidden on May 26th. So you can look forward to that. It's going to be about 15 episodes, and then also Game of uh, Thrones got renewed for season four. So I'm sure most of you out there who are Game of Thrones fans are going to be pretty pumped up about that. So um, other than that, man, I kind of wanted just to tell you about those new shows and uh, Vikings. If you like that show, uh, it's on the History Channel. That's set to return for a second season. So all in all, that is it for TV news. That's it for all the news. So let's get into the review 
of Lethal Weapon 3. Well, I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire. Hey, wait! What? That's not what I'm thinking. What, do you think maybe the red? No, no! I'm, I'm thinking that it's eight minutes and 42 seconds. We can go upstairs, wait for the bomb squad, and have a cappuccino. I'm cutting the red wire, okay? Help! Oh! What? A minute ago you said blue! Oh. Nearly a catastrophe, huh? I'm cutting the wire. See? All done. Rog. Yeah. Grab the cat. Grab the cat. They're back. Lethal Weapon 3. Hey, we're looking for a friend of yours named Travis. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of him. Never? Wrong answer, wrong answer. Wait, wait, I'll leave my car here and I'll come with you. No, you're not coming with us. Yes, I am. I don't take my car now. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I can't believe you did that. I got a spare to truck. I'll fix you. Tell my partners. I can't believe they did that. Please, please. I want you to see something, Rod. She has a gift. Watch this. Are you okay, honey? I just ran! Hey, Riggs, it's five of them, man. Yeah, I know. My girl. I never made it with another sergeant before. Shut up, Riggs. Hello, car 54, where are you? The only thing they do contribute is mayhem and chaos. No, I'm chaos and he's mayhem. have the right to remain unconscious anything you say ain't gonna be much back to bed back to bed not a lobotomy why don't you cut your hair so you can hear okay what's the difference you don't know the difference the difference is that when you get a lobotomy they, they shave your, your nether region nether what your nether i can't say it in front of her won't point to it okay here okay it must be pretty itchy yes it is itchy <laughs> These doctors are savages. I mean, where does it say that a gunshot wound requires a rectal exam? Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, with a, with a telescope big enough to see Venus. I guess all they saw was Uranus, huh? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's great, thank you. Well, you know what I say? They f*** you in the hospital. First they drug you, then they f*** you. And when they're done f***ing you, along comes the insurance Leo, company Leo. and f***s you some more. Leo, $10 for a f***ing ass Leo, It's not even covered. Okay, all right guys so let's talk some lethal weapon 3 now i just want to say that uh you know i've had extreme fun on number one and number two especially number two because you guys know number two is my favorite of the series and i just i just couldn't get enough of talking that film it was so great and uh it's been a long time since i've seen this movie and this one came out in 1992 i'd have to say it's been at least 12 years i love the poster because it's essentially you know Riggs and murtaugh back to back and you have little joe pesci in the middle and his name is actually on the poster which is kind of cool and since it's been a long time since i watched this film but i knew going into it 
that it wasn't my favorite of the series. Even though I've seen number four the least, there are various scenes in number three that I can constantly remember. But all in all, from beginning to end, it was kind of... There were some scenes that I kind of forgot about and there were other scenes that I was like, oh, this is actually better than I remember. So the question is, is how do I feel about this sequel? And that's where things are going to get interesting to say the least. And then I'm real excited about number four because I've only seen number four three times, but I remember loving number four over three, but I've seen three at least 10 times, if that makes any sense. I mean, number two, I've seen like 50. Number three, I've seen like maybe 15 would be the max, but two is the one that I've watched over and over and over and over again. So let's let's do the basics here. We have uh, this movie came out in 1992, and of course, we have the same team are back. We have Richard Donner as our director, which is awesome. Of course, we have Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Joe Pesci back. Now, we have a new character who's introduced into this series, which is Rene Russo. Now, Rene Russo, I love this woman. She's fantastic. Uh, my love for her came from the movie One Good Cop with Michael Keaton. Uh, Michael Keaton, as you know, was a comedic actor. He did this film called One Good Cop, which him and his buddy, they go to this bust. His buddy gets shot in the head, and he has three three little girls. And uh, they have nowhere to go, and uh, they can barely pay their bills. But they kind of adopt uh, him and Rene Russo, Michael Keaton and Rene Russo, they adopt these three girls. And eventually it gets to the point where in order to uh, financially support the family, he goes and he robs the biggest drug dealer there is in town. It's a really crazy, dramatic movie, but Rene Russo is so amazing in that movie. And that's where my love for Rene Russo came. So in this film, uh, she's just super fun, and I really enjoy her being added because I think when I first watched it, I was a little bit worried about a new character being added. But one thing Lethal Weapon is really good at is adding people and making you like them. Now, if you remember in the prior episodes, I told you about the villain of this movie. And how I said that this is the weakest villain of the whole entire series, which I will still say uh, before I even get into details, he is the weakest villain of the whole entire series. And he's played by Stuart Wilson and Stuart Wilson. And I think, uh, I mean, the only movie I really know this guy from outside of this one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And he was terrible in that movie. At least he's not terrible in this movie like he was in Turtles 3. Um, I don't have as much hate for this guy as I did in the past, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But as far as uh, as far as villain, there's a particular villain in this film, and it isn't this guy. And I'll get into details in a little bit. But he's essentially your quote-unquote bad guy. He's a former LAPD lieutenant, and his name is Jack Edward Travis in this film. So here's the basic plot of what happened. Now, this movie had a budget of $35 million bucks. And it had a box office of two, uh, $321 million. So really, really awesome. Now, the theatrical cut is 118 minutes. And I watched the director's cut, which is only two minutes longer. And I think I know the scene that is the part of the director's cut. And I'll get into that. What's cool about the screenplay is is it's uh, Jeffrey Bohm and Robert Mark Kamen, which is the writer of The Karate Kid, which is good times. All right, now, if it's been a while since you guys have seen Lethal Weapon 3, 
and you can't really remember what happened in the film, here's the basic gist of what happened in the movie. So you start off the film. Of course, you have good old LAPD Sergeant Martin Riggs, a.k.a. Mel Gibson, and you have Roger Murtaugh, a.k.a. Danny Glover. They arrive at this uh, this evacuated building, which uh, is supposed to have a bomb in it. But, of course, you know, these guys are against orders, and they go to investigate the bomb. Now, uh, Murtaugh, he's like, I believe, 10 days away from retirement so he's all like no nah, man i don't want to go in there man i'm on retirement you know but of course Riggs, he's all like come on man we gotta go we gotta go we gotta we gotta check it out you know real fun so uh you know Riggs decides he wants to deactivate the bomb himself he doesn't want to wait for the bomb squad because those guys they never show up on time now uh they have a real funny scene of the different color wires blue red so on and so forth but Riggs cuts the wrong one now, it doesn't blow up, of course, or he wouldn't have a movie, but it speeds up the timer. So, yeah, there's a cat that showed up on top of the car, and Riggs like, dude, grab the car. You know, he's like, Roger, yeah, grab the cat. And then they run, and the whole thing blows up. Really awesome scene, spectacular explosion of the building. It's pretty awesome. And uh, But, of course, because this happened, they were demoted to uniform duties, which totally upsets Murtaugh uh, because, you know, the dude has retirement uh, coming up in a few days. Now, what's really funny is they're when they're on street patrol, they start messing with people just for kicks. But during messing with people, they come across a, a bank robbery that's going on. Uh, there's this uh, armored car, which is kind of duplicate. And uh, they only managed to capture uh, one of the two of the thieves, which a.k.a. is Satan from Supernatural. Mark Pellegrino, how awesome is that? Yes, Satan, little small guy. He's the driver of the armor car, and he's the one that eventually gets captured. Now, uh, during the arrest, they discover that the criminals are armed with this new type of bullet, which they call cop killers. And the reason they call cop killers, of course, is their armor-piercing bullets. So it doesn't matter if you're wearing a bulletproof vest. This sucker is going to go right through you. And, of course... If you're supposed to retire in a few days, this is going to be a problem for uh, you know for Roger. So that's kind of where the dynamic comes in to play in this film, which is super fun. I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong, cop killers are not fun, but I'm just saying this is kind of what makes the story kind of interesting. Now, uh, in an effort to stop the raid, uh, Riggs and Murtaugh uh, they're reinstated as detectives, you know, because they did, they did a good job. You know, they, they stopped the bank run. Well, they didn't stop it, but at least they caught one of the dudes. So that's why their captain, uh, Murphy reinstates them. Now, uh, Murphy introduces them to the internal affairs people, which is Sergeant Lorna Cole, which is AKA Rene Russo. And, uh, they inform them that the suspects that they have in custody from the raid are known to be associated with this, uh, LAPD Lieutenant, uh, well, he's former, I should say, and he's a suspected arms dealer, Jack Travis. Now, of course you find this out later in the film, it's not revealed, but you kind of put the pieces together, but that's essentially the role that she's playing. Uh, she's internal affairs, but you know, with her, let's just let's just treat her as she's basically rigs in female form, which is why this character is so interesting. Now, uh, the other criminal who escaped uh, is brought before Travis, uh, who's conducting a business meeting with this mobster's name's Tyrone to basically, you know, uh, 
say, you know what, you led everything to the police, you know, you screwed up, and they throw this guy into a pit of cement. Oh, man, what a way to kill somebody, man. But it's the display to Tyrone that, you know, anyone who double-crosses him, this is what happens to you. So, of course, Travis, he goes, he's got to clean up his mess, so he goes to the county lockup. He still has a, a police badge, which is valid, which I have no idea why, but... Uh, here's the thing. The reason why it's probably valid is he just disappeared. They didn't know that he was bad. Uh, in, but if internal affairs had an idea, they should have shut this guy's badge down. But it's just a small nitpick. No big deal. But because his police badge is valid, he's able to gain access to uh, basically Satan. And he's able to blow him away before Riggs, Murtaugh, and uh, Lorna show up to question him. But luckily... They had it on footage. Uh, they internal affairs put in some new cameras, so that way uh, these cameras they didn't even know about, and they were able to, to see him kill him, and that's how they knew it was Jack Travis. Now at the precinct, while uh, Riggs, Murtaugh, and Cole they're reviewing the footage, they get interrupted by good old Leo Getz. Now Leo, of course, was in the beginning of the film because um, they're trying to sell their house, and he's a real estate guy. Real funny. He uh, has to disclose everything. So, of course, he, ex- he talked about drug dealers going through the house and everything. And uh, he's just he's really funny. He's got blonde hair this time around. But he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to do an honest life, which is nice. Uh, but, of course, them trying to sell the house, uh, Murtaugh is really irritated with Leo in this movie. But, you know, he stops by the precinct to uh, to visit with the buddies and uh, when he looks around and they had the video paused of Jack shooting the guy, he's like, hey, I know this guy. And they're like, what, what? You know, you know this guy? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, let, let me think about it. You know, we have a real funny scene where essentially Leo uh, tells them, yeah, I know where this guy can be found. You know, I had to do favors for these guys. Your guy likes hockey. So... You know, it's like Leo comes to the rescue, basically. Now, unfortunately, when they go to the hockey game to publicly arrest him, uh, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, They do believe, though, that they may have a lead to Travis's arms warehouse. So they rendezvous uh, with Cole at a a warehouse. Now, Murtaugh and Riggs, they come under fire from Tyrone's thugs. Now, uh, Murtaugh, he kills one of them, which is uh, Daryl. Which is definitely the most emotional part of this film, which I'll get into details in a little bit. But essentially, this Daryl character uh, is a young guy that uh, was friends with Nick, but he was a gang member. And, uh, you know, Murtaugh, he just, uh, he crashes, man, really bad. Says that, you know, he's going to stay on the scene and, uh, you know, Riggs just go and meet, go ahead and go ahead and meet Cole. Now, at the warehouse, Riggs and Cole, they get attacked by Travis's henchmen. And, of course, they get the upper hand. They secure most of the uh, shipment that was there. And then, of course, they uh, that's they start to hit it off because they're very, very annoyed with each other uh, throughout the first part of the movie. But then just instantly hit it off, start to fall in love. Which the best part of that whole entire scene is the new dog uh, friend that that Riggs has because you know he as you guys know he was a smoker in the first two movies he's trying to quit and uh Roger actually gives him dog uh treats to eat and uh that saved his life because there was a guard dog at this place 
and uh, she's afraid of dogs. And he's like, I can, I can't shoot dogs. People are okay, but I can't shoot dogs. And they become really great friends. And he has a new dog, and it's just kind of another family member. And, and you know, I love that whole dog scene. But we'll get in there in just a little bit. Now, uh, Rianne actually goes to uh, Riggs's place and just lets him know that you know her dad hasn't been home. He always comes home, and that's where Riggs knows to find Murtaugh uh, on this boat. And he's just completely just gone, man. And just he's taking it very hard. And you know, Riggs confronts Murtaugh on the boat, and uh, they just they t- have a really great set of words, which I'll get into details in a little bit because it is the best part of the whole entire movie, which is just amazing. And uh, but these words help Murtaugh get over his guilt. Uh, we get to Daryl's funeral, and uh, it's just it's a really hardcore scene. But the father eventually tells Murtaugh that, you know, you want to help my son, you find the man to put the gun in his hand. So then we have a switch of the movie to where now Murtaugh is the lethal weapon, where he's doing whatever it takes to catch the man to put the gun in his hand. So they go and they interrogate Tyrone's guys, learn about his weapons coming from Jack Travis. And there's a raid at a garage where more people are working for Travis. And uh, just it gets real crazy real fast, which I'll get into details in a little bit. But essentially at this point, of course, Travis can no longer just walk into the police station and just, you know, ammo up, if you will. Uh, so he um, he kidnaps the captain because, of course, the captain has the uh you know he has the clearance to gain access to where all the armed stuff is now leo earlier was working on information on the construction site that the garage workers were connected with so uh riggs merton cole they realized travis's plan when they noticed that the uh complete uh the police computer had been hacked and that's where internal affairs had moved the ammo and all the arms and stuff they moved it to a secure location but travis found it and you know he's kind of he's been one step ahead of them this whole entire time so they get down there there's this big uh, gunfight breaks out uh between you know them and travis's men and of course uh the captain he's able to free himself which is pretty awesome but uh most of travis's men they either get killed they get apprehended but of course travis again he escapes this is the second time he's escaped which is pissing uh riggs off as he says nobody escapes for me let alone two times so riggs and murtaugh they vow that they're gonna do whatever it takes to catch this guy so you get to the climax of the film where they're at the construction site which you know uh all the details are provided by leo now of course all three of them they come under you know crazy gunfights uh there's a lot of explosions lots of fighting uh essentially travis at one point shoots lorna and uh, you think she's dead and of course this really uh gets rigs completely crazy but uh murtaugh's able to get a hold of some cop killers throw it at Riggs and he's able to shoot Travis just in time before he gets crushed by like this big uh, construction plow kind of thing. Uh, But luckily what you find out is, is that she was wearing two bulletproof vests, which of course uh, didn't kill her, but she's still wounded though. So, you know, they kind of confess their love for each other and uh, it's good time. She goes away and then you get to retirement day 
and Roger tells his family that uh, you know he can't he can't retire. He's got to remain on the force another ten years, uh, so that way he can preserve his partnership with Riggs. And you get a nice talk between these two. But kind of as the credits are rolling, there's another call for a bomb threat, and uh, of course the movie ends with "I'm too old for this," you know, crap. Because, you know, he doesn't want to deal with another bomb thing. So uh, that's essentially uh, the basic gist of what happened in this film as far as the plot goes. All right, so let's talk about the things that I really, really enjoyed in this movie. The credits are a little bit different this time. You have an Eric Clapton song that's playing in the beginning of the film. It's kind of a slower type vibe to it, but it's got a real fire vibe going on in the background which is kind of cool you don't actually see lethal weapon 3 until after everybody's name and everybody's credit is on screen and then you end with uh, a big fire symbol of the three and then you get the lethal weapon which i thought was pretty cool now the bomb i really dig this scene because it's just very very funny and instantly pulls you back in to where you left in part two now one thing that i really enjoyed in this movie is they do a lot of callbacks to part two, which I never really remembered too much, which as I go through this review, I'll point those out. But it was a nice touch that I really enjoyed because some sequels won't really do that too much. And this one actually did a very good job of kind of explaining those unanswered questions, if you will. But the bomb scene's funny. You know, you instantly get uh, that Roger is going to retire. So uh, kind of immediately you're thinking, wow, this is the last movie and it kind of sucks. You're like, boy, at the end of this movie, he's going to retire. But their, their chemistry right off the right off the bat instantly pulls you back to the, the way it was in the last movie. And he's just all like, let's go do it. And he's all like, no, let's not. And come on, Raj, trust me. And then you'll hear him say, that's usually my first mistake. And then when they get in there, uh, they see the bomb and he wants to open the door. He's like, no, don't open the door. And he puts his finger on his ear, closes his one eye, opens the door. And he's like, see, it didn't blow up. And then you have them talking about which wire they're going to cut. And they switch from blue to red. And then eventually uh, after they cut the wrong wire and the place and of course the place blows up when they're actually on uh, suit duty they're talking about i should have i should have picked the blue one well you did pick the blue one no i should have picked the red one and he goes no that's what i meant you know they kind of reverse back and forth yelling at each other about the particular wire and you're just instantly just getting that same vibe as you did from the last movie and it's great it's like being around old friends you haven't seen in a while it's just you're you're picking up exactly where you left off you know my brother and me we don't ever see each other very much the last time i i saw my brother was at my grandma's funeral but uh prior to that i hadn't seen him in uh, what 12 years and then once we saw each other we like picked right up to where it was like we had never left each other it was like instantly within five minutes we were right back to where we had left off you know and that's exactly what it's like in in this relationship between martin riggs and the audience which is pretty awesome now, when I was a kid and they're on the street and he touches his stomach and he's like, what is this? And he says, it's a girdle. I thought he said it's a girl when I was a kid. I never understood. Why did he say he has a girl? He's not pregnant. Guys can't get pregnant. But I always found it funny. Uh, j- it Just the way he says it, I can still kind of hear it a little bit. It's a girl. 
you know he doesn't say girdle all the way you know so you know when you're a kid you hear various things that aren't there and i even as an adult i can still hear my inner child hear him say it's a girl instead of it's a girdle now don't you love the jaywalking scene because that's so martin and riggs when they're messing with this guy you know and he's all pissed off at them about wasting his time and all he did was just walk across the street there's murders and killers out there and they start yelling and screaming i'm just gonna shoot him and he takes off and i love the laugh that they have together and then instantly you get thrown into another car chase you know it's like Every Lethal Weapon has a car chase, which is great. Uh, this one, uh, your driver is Satan, which is Mark Pellegrino, which if you watch Supernatural, he was Satan. If you watch uh, Being Human, he was uh, Aiden's maker. So this guy is in a lot of things. I believe he was a Lost. This guy is huge. He's all over the place. But it was fun to see a younger version of Mark Pellegrino. It was pretty awesome. Now I love Dolores. Dolores is the little, uh, you know, the the little short black lady that gets behind the wheel and is all hidden on uh, Murtaugh the whole time and like sugar, you know, I got you, I got you for you, you know, and he's all like, she's trying to get him to touch her thigh and everything, and she's just completely infatuated with him. And I love Dolores, man. She's great. She's funny. And she's only in the movie maybe five minutes tops. But she's very funny. I really enjoy her. She's great. Especially when she's singing, trying to catch up to Riggs while he's hanging on the car. It's hilarious because Murtaugh is just like, you are absolutely crazy. And she's just like, you're the jam of my jelly, baby. You know, I just, I love it. I mean, she doesn't say it in that scene, but she'll say that later to him. But I love Dolores. She's good times. So, yeah, this car chase is pretty awesome. Of course, it's car chase number two. You know, in part two, we had the car chase with, uh, you know, uh, Leo and Murtaugh trying to catch up to Riggs. And this time we have uh, Murtaugh and Dolores trying to catch up to Riggs. Now, number four, that car chase is off the wall. I mean, they tried to up the ante in that one and... I remember it being spectacular. I'm pretty sure it's going to be like, I don't know, a really hardcore suspension of disbelief scene. But this one works though. Just like the one in part two works, this one did. Now, the only major flaw that I have so far in this film is I see the stunt people more. Now, the other two movies did a really good job of hiding the guy, you know, the whoever the stunt person was for that particular scene. There were about three times throughout the whole movie where I saw the stunt guy, which, you know, it's fine back then. You couldn't have your actor do this, but Richard Donner does an amazing job of covering up his stunt people. Amazing job. And I just thought he was a little bit lacking on this one. I thought he was a little sloppy on covering that up. But it doesn't ruin anything for me. I'm just pointing that out. That is, you know, in this scene I noticed it. There's a other scene later where Riggs falls. And that's where he dislocates his shoulder. Obviously you could tell that was a stunt person. And then Renee Russo's character. Uh, you could tell that she has a stunt character on a, on a particular scene. So uh, three times I saw the stunt person and it just was unfortunate because 
Uh, he had did a really good job the past two movies of covering up the stunt person. But like I said, it's very, very minor. All right. Now, in this one, we get the return of the family and they play a more pivotal role in this film, which is excellent. Uh, we have Nick who has grown more. Again, like I said, that's the fantastic piece of the Lethal Weapon series is the consistency. We have the same kid actors who uh, are playing the same roles, who are obviously older. Uh, Nick is now shaving. He's uh, he's being influenced by gang members. Uh, you have Rihanna, who uh, not Rihanna. You have Rianne. Sorry, Rihanna is in my head for some stupid reason. I was listening to Umbrella the other day, but anyways, Rianne uh, is now an actress, but she has terrible looking hair. Terrible. Like I said, you know, uh, there's some women out there that can pull off short hair, and they look cute. They look beautiful. Um, and there's some women out there that look terrible with short hair. And Rihanna is one of those women that look atrocious with short hair. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But uh, his wife looks great. Nick looks great. Uh, the younger daughter looks great. It's just good to have the family back. And we have more story because Martin comes in, starts kissing everybody, even kisses uh, Roger, and then immediately is yelled at. Uh, by Trish, by, you know, don't be messing stuff up because that's when you have the people showing up to uh, look at the house, you know, and that's when you see Leo for the first time. Leo has a new look. I'm not a big fan of the blonde. He doesn't look dumb, but I'm glad in part four, he went back to his natural look and uh, he shows up and we have a real funny moment of him talking about the various things that happen in the house and you just see Roger wanting to kill him and uh, we have Riggs who now is uh, eating doggy treats because uh, he you know Roger doesn't want him to smoke anymore and he's like here try these and he gets addicted to him which actually pays off later in the film you know uh, I like this like I said in Lethal Weapon they do a good job of introducing stuff and paying it off later they don't just introduce something and not really bring it up later which is pretty cool but uh, I really dig this scene, especially when you have, you know, Trish uh, yells at Riggs, you know, he Murtaugh's getting ready to go out. He doesn't have his vest. And Trish says, wait a second, you put this on. And then she yells at Riggs and you watch out for him. You know, it's like it's really good stuff, man. I really enjoy having the family back together. They go outside and you see Nick is now being influenced not I wouldn't say influenced but there's a bunch of gang members that are around him and you could tell they're trying to put their influence on Nick now the cool thing is is that Nick he has a real strong family uh, moral system and beliefs so luckily uh, he doesn't fall into the gang activity which is which is great because you know as I as you guys know I grew up around that stuff you know I luckily was never involved in any gang activity there were a lot of my friends that were and if you wanted to get out of a gang they would have to literally take five minutes and they'd have to beat you out of the gang which nine times out of ten mean that you weren't going to live so if you ever joined the gang that was the worst thing you could possibly ever do uh i had a lot of a lot of bad things happen around my neck of the woods with gang activity so it really hit my heart seeing this stuff again it's just like i don't miss it you know i'm really glad i'm away from that stuff and uh, i'm in a new place in my life and uh 
you know, luckily where I am, there's a lot of police that try to keep this small town I'm in as clean as possible. And it's great to be in that kind of area. But unfortunately, most of us are affected by uh, gang activity. And uh, it, it really plays a powerful role in this movie. And I wouldn't say the gang plays a powerful role. It's, you know, the fact of these guys all have guns and, and stuff like that, which gun activity in teenagers hands is a huge thing so there's a little joke between uh you know roger and uh nick about word word dad and then he's just like i have no idea what you're talking about word nick and he goes word rigs what's word you know starts a w ends in d four letter word that word oh yeah that word okay you know it's kind of funny uh and I, of course I know what it means but it's you know it's an old school word that most people don't say nowadays to each other word you know it's good times though all right so let's talk about jack when this guy gets introduced so here's the thing i told you that he is the weakest villain of the whole entire series i still stand by that um he is somewhat i mean he's not annoying like he was in ninja turtles 3 thank god uh he is not the villain of this film, though. The villain of this film is the cop killers. That's your main villain of this film. Uh, this guy is kind of secondary. You know, I, I'd like to say that, you know, Mr. Joshua was number one, and then you had the general as number two. I like to think of Jack as number two. You have cop killers as number one, and you have Jack as number two. Because this guy really, uh, he's just... I don't know. He's just uh, average, an average villain. He's not. He's not the worst villain I've ever seen, but he's in f no way, shape, or form in any league of the first two villains. And in number four, I mean, he can't even touch, uh, you know, Jet Li. So he is by far the weakest of the villains, but I did find him more enjoyable this time around than when I saw him like 12 years ago because he wasn't as jokey as I thought he was. I thought this guy only made nonstop one-liners, but he was pretty hardcore. You know, he's all about, you screw with me, I'm going to throw you in cement. You know, he shoots Leo on the ice. Uh, he, he shoots Lorna. So, I mean, he really only made maybe one or two jokes and he was the only villain to ever get away from Riggs. Uh, you know, he got away from Riggs twice. So he's effective. I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, he's probably a 6.5. That's where I'd like to place this guy. He's, you know, close enough to a 7 to where he's, you know, he could be awesome. But he's still kind of lame in a little different ways that I just can't put my finger on it. So I give this guy a six and a half on the villain scale. All right. Now, I do love the scene where uh, Rianne is, uh, you know, Riggs thinks that Rianne's being attacked and it's just a film scene. I really dig this guy because this director is a major ass and he's just all about uh, just being a jerk and you're fired and get out of here. And Riggs is all like, being three stooges on him and like she's not fired you know she gets a raise you know and i just love him beating up on the director it was a pretty fun scene and then right after that we get kind of a serious scene to where uh murtaugh is just kind of he's trying to deal with this whole retirement thing as best he can and he puts his gun in his holster and it, and it goes off and i love how Riggs instantly just covers for him it starts banging on all the lockers and the guys come in and i thought there was gunfire we'll get your hearing checked 
And then they just kind of look at each other without saying anything like, you know, I, I know it's I know it's getting rough for you, but there's kind of like an uncomfortable silence between these two. But I instantly love, though, how Riggs is just covers for him without, you know, kind of saying, yeah, he shot his gun. So what? You know, he doesn't let people know that this retirement thing is bothering uh, Roger, which is pretty awesome. Then we get introduced to the villain of the story, which is the cop killers. Uh, we get this kid, which they literally just kind of call him kid. Uh, and he's a really good shot, uh, very good at his, his marksmanship. But, you know, they just kind of give him crap how he's just really young. And you have Murtaugh give Riggs his bulletproof vest. And, of course, the guys make fun of him because they see his girdle. But he puts the vest kind of far away, shoots right through it, goes right through his bulletproof vest. And he's like, yep, these are cop killers. And he's like, great. And you just see Riggs look at Murtaugh like, yeah, I know he's got to be taking this pretty rough. And then we get introduced to Renee Russo, which and I already told you my love for her. But what I really dig, though, is how Riggs and Murtaugh are playing this joke about money laundering because he sees the internal affairs folder sticking out and he just instantly wants to mess with her. What I dig is the fact of how much she is like Riggs. Let's I mean, let's go through the list. She can totally fight. She loves the three stooges. She um, has the same crazy attitude as him, but toned down, if you will. You know, like she's willing to go up to a bunch of dudes and whoop their butt, but she's not willing to, she's willing to go through a gunfight, you know, one, two, three, and starts blasting away. But she's not to the full extent as Riggs. So I like to refer to her as, you know, uh, well, she does become Mrs. Riggs, but she's literally the female version of Riggs, which is a nice dynamic from the first two movies. And I love the the love hate relationship within this film because, you know, like I guess I've told you, you know, when I first met my wife, we kind of had a, a hate relationship going on, and then instantly it was just gone, you know. And that's exactly how these two are, where they hate each other, and then bam, instantly it's like they start kissing, and now they're in love. It's awesome. Now, when we get to the police station, you kind of get a little of part two to where Riggs is smoking and the captain says, you know, what does this say? Oh, same thing as that, but I don't give an F, you know, that funny scene. Well, when the captain is uh, reinstating them, uh, they talk about he's chaos, I'm mayhem. And he goes, no, I'm mayhem, he's chaos. You know, you kind of get a funny scene like part two. But it's a little bit different, of course. And then we get Leo. He's like, hey, I know that guy. You know, I love Leo's face when he just turns around and he's just smiling. Hey, I know that guy. You know, it's just funny. And I totally forgot about the hockey scene because, you know, uh, I'm not a big sports guy. I used to be all in the sports. I used to be in the basketball and baseball and just everything. And then when I was like 16, that just died uh, and you know, as I told you, I kind of started my life over again. So sports was never my thing. And I told you how I've always hated wrestling. And then just when I met my wife, how things kind of changed there. I've, I told that story on my WrestleMania episode, but, uh, hockey has been a thing that I've gotten into because my family likes to go to hockey games here. Uh, they're like minor leagues, but they're super fun. They're called, uh, ice hogs they're really awesome and i like going there because it's a lot of fun there's fights and stuff so when the hockey sh- uh, showed up i was like oh hockey i totally forgot that there was hockey in this movie this is a good scene because uh you, you kind of see leo willing to uh help the guys and 
he's all about trying to catch Jack because he feels kind of like responsible for this guy. Like, I know this guy. I brought you here. Let me try to take him down. You know, he's trying to prove himself, which, you know, is kind of character development for Leo. Leo was all scared and didn't want to do anything. In this movie, he's all like, I'm ready to jump out there and I'm ready to help the guys until he gets shot, of course which is, you know, terrible because he thinks he's dying. And when he, when I first saw this, I'm like, you just killed Leo. No, you know, but luckily he just gets shot in the arm. Now, I had no idea about the rectal exam, you know, as a kid or since the last time I saw this, but that's where they're trying to keep Leo in the hospital for two days and they call it a dumb, dumb moon. But Riggs puts down a prostal exam and I never knew what that was as, you know, younger when I watched this. And I was like, I can't believe he did that. And that's where you see Roger go, why are you trying to do that? You know, he's like, we can't give him a rectal exam. Yeah, we can. You know, they just like messing with Leo. Uh, You know, their relationship is definitely fun because they are the big brothers and Leo's the little brother. They all love they all love Leo. And we we all know Leo loves them. But I, I just love how they're they always pick on Leo. But when push comes to shove. You know, it's we'll do whatever it takes to help the guy out, you know, and I just love their relationship. It's awesome. All right. So then we get to kind of the uh, the serious moment of the film. And, and of course, it should be. And that's where uh, they go. And uh, Roger is going to be making some uh, hamburgers over at his friend's place. And, you know, Riggs wants a cigarette. But, of course, there's no doggy treats left. So Roger gives Riggs an onion to eat, which is disgusting. But uh, Riggs sees the guys that were hanging out with Nick earlier. And he knows they all have guns, but he sees a drug deal going down. He tries, okay, guys, put them up, you know. And then he gets hit in the back of the head. And then Roger hears all the gunfire. He tries to give them a warning, but uh, Daryl hides in this kind of uh, kind of cabinet type, not cabinet, but kind of a small shelter area and starts shooting. And Roger does what he does, man. And, and he takes him out and, uh, and he takes it really bad, of course, as he should. And uh, and then he, he's just like, I, I killed a man. I, I killed Daryl. I knew that kid. And then you know, Roger walks off and we don't see him for like 10 minutes. It's like, it's not like the story forgot about Roger, but I, I kind of like how they did this because it was a serious scene, but then we instantly moved to where Riggs sets up his relationship with, uh, you know, with Lorna and then we go back to Roger and then all three of them together. So this is pretty, you know, pretty powerful scene where Roger, you know, kills the kid. And of course he's devastated because he doesn't have many days left, let alone you kill somebody. And then on top of it all, you kill your kids, one of your kids' friends. You know, it's going to be devastating. Now, I will say this about the scene. Uh, they didn't set up Daryl long enough in the film to where you cared that he died, but you do care based on Roger's performance, emotional-wise. The way that he is uh, devastating, the way he's crying over the kid, emotionally is where you get invested in this scene versus, you know, where you're you're not instantly like, okay, well, Daryl died. You're like, now it's more powerful because of the way that the scene is done 
kind of makes it as good as it is. So I, I wouldn't say it's the best scene of the film. It's probably maybe the second or third best scene of the film. Maybe third. Uh, by by far, number one is coming up. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I definitely dig uh, Murtaugh. You know, I Danny Glover does an excellent job of just emotionally bringing you in in, in an instant and making you feel like he does. Now, uh, remember when I said that they do a good job of bringing stuff back from part two? You have Lorna that confronts Riggs that wants to talk to him. He's like, step into my office, and they go into the bathroom. And you have the bomb squad uh, leader from part two, which was the teacher and just one of the guys. And they're talking. He's like, hey, no more cutting wires. You know, that's what the bomb squad's for. And it was a nice callback to see him come back. And then you'll actually get the psychologist or psychiatrist come back into this film a little bit later but i really dig uh i you know that was a nice touch to be able to bring this guy back it's just calling you out to say hey you remember that whole toilet scene you know which they did say in the beginning roger you remember that bomb that was on your toilet oh how could i forget well then they remind you again by bringing this guy back it was a nice touch and then finally, they make an agreement that they're going to kind of work together. You know, I'm a cop. You're a cop. You know, we're on the same side. She decides to give Riggs the inside scoop on eternal affairs. And when they're going to take off uh, to go to that place to where the dog is, uh, you hear Riggs say, I love surprises, which then later on in the film, she'll say the same thing. Oh, I like surprises. And then I love the dog scene. The dog scene is so much fun because... You know, they, they go in there and they see this huge thing and they're like, oh, this thing's got to be a monster. And of course, these dogs, whenever I see this kind of dog, I always think of the movie Man's Best Friend with Ali Sheedy, where they took that dog and made it into this killer when he when he goes pee, he pees out acid. I mean, it's a real crazy off the wall movie. It's got Lance Henderson in it. But uh, Riggs immediately, I just love his line. I can't shoot dogs. I can shoot people, but I can't shoot dogs, you know? And I love how he just instantly goes up to the dog, no fear, and brings the dog down. And it's just awesome scene. I love it. It's great. And she's just like, Riggs, you're crazy. And he's like, you know, you can just go. Yeah, it's a guy thing. And here's where I think the director's cut comes in because I don't remember this. Right after this scene, uh, you you see him go back to his uh, his tr- his trailer, you know his house that got blown up in part two, and they bring back the guy from part two, the carpenter that was working on building that room with the nail gun. He's the guy that's helped rebuilding this place. But uh, he's watching Three Stooges, and you see uh, you see Sam back, you know his dog from the first two movies, and then he has the new dog, and they're both like la- they're both barking at the three stooges and Riggs is talking about oh you guys love it you guys you guys like each other i don't remember this scene of him hanging out with the dogs and introducing them together uh, i remember you know the carpenter guy talking to him and then uh, Rianne shows up to say that uh, dad didn't come home last night but i don't remember this scene of him hanging out with the dogs and watching three stooges and stuff and that's where i think the extra two minutes comes in it's a nice touch because it's the only time that you see sam back in this movie which again consistency reasons you kind of wanted to know what happened to sam well guess what he's right here in this scene it was pretty awesome now backing up just a little bit uh you know when riggs finds out how good she can fight and he's like where'd you learn to fight like that and she's like catholic school was funny uh of course when they they kind of hook up and they compare the scars together that was fun because 
Uh, you didn't know, I mean, you guys know on the end of part two, Riggs is shot and everything, and he calls back today. He's like, look at my back. I have all these things right here. One of the bullets was actually in my lung, and I was coughing up blood. So he's taking you back to what happened in the end of part two, and that's a nice touch. They don't just leave it open-ended to where you kind of have to put the pieces together. He tells you that, yeah, I did get shot and one of them was in my lung and, you know, it was serious. So it was just pretty cool that they tied that back. And then, of course, they brought back the knife in his leg that he got from the end of part two. So it's just a lot of nice touches, this 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 scar scene, because it does a lot of callbacks to the stuff that happened in the last movie. And he does have a funny line to where he after he kisses her, he goes, you're going to smack the crap out of me, aren't you? And she goes, I got something better. And she trips him and they kiss and stuff. And he goes, I never made it with my own. I never made it with another lieutenant, you know. And it was just funny. I just, I really dig their chemistry together. Uh, and I, I totally forgot to talk about that. But it's just really fun, man, that they that they did the little tiny touches like that of bringing stuff back from the last movie with the, with the dog and talking about the bullets and the scars and everything like that. It's just awesome. And then we get to the best scene of the whole entire film. Now, as you guys know, in the last movie, the toilet scene was the best scene of the whole entire film. And I told you it's actually the best scene of the whole entire series. I still stand by that. It's the best scene of the whole entire series, how it's by far the best guy to guy. I love you moment you're ever going to see on film. Now, the scene is so great because the prior two movies, we had Riggs at his lowest point uh, ever and Murtaugh was there to help him through it. And now we have Riggs is there for Murtaugh at his lowest point he's ever been in his life. And there's kind of this underlined theme of, you know, they don't ever talk about it until now to where you could tell that the retirement was bothering Murtaugh, but it never seemed to really bother Riggs until they start talking about, you know, all right, I'm just going to say this right now and I don't care. If you don't like it, but I had major man tears during this scene. I don't ever remember crying watching this scene in the past, but I did this time because I'm so emotionally invested in the past two movies that this scene really hit me hard because they're both confessing how, you know, how much they need each other. When Riggs is like, you know, you don't understand how much your retirement affects me. He goes, I have three beautiful kids that I love and they're yours. You know, you're my family. Uh, you know, everything I do, everything I go through, you go through. You know, and he's just pouring his heart out to Roger and Roger is just kind of throwing it back at him. And just they go back and forth and it's just it's really awesome and then when you see you know roger say you know riggs you know i love you man right you know you know i love you he goes your problems are my problems you're right you know and why don't you go ahead and tell me you know it's like uh, when they hug it out you know when he finally embraces murtaugh he's able to finally let go of that guilt because he's like it was either him or it was either him or us man he was gonna kill me he was gonna kill you you know you had no choice it was a clean hit and just really comforts him and stuff it's just it's by far the best scene and i would arguably say it's the second best scene of the whole entire series it's great man i love it 
I can't say enough good stuff about it. And then, of course, it instantly turns funny. You know, just like part two when you had the toilet scene uh, when it blows up. And he's like, man, get off me before people come in. Immediately you get, well, I slept with someone I shouldn't have. And he punches him thinking it's Rianne. He goes, why would you hit me? He goes, no, I slept with, you know, I slept with Lorna. And he goes, oh, I thought you were sleeping with Rianne. What? You know, and then it just becomes funny. So that scene is great, but you really got to see how the retirement is affecting Riggs and that he never came out and said. And you emotionally get to see how things have been building up about how much his family really means to him and how much Roger means to him and stuff. You know, he finally confessed. You know, it's just awesome. You always knew how much it meant to him, but having him say it out loud made it that much better. So great, 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 great scene. And then we get the funeral and they play the boys to men song. Um, Oh God, I can't even remember the name of this song. Uh, It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I remember my eighth grade graduation was this song and this song is way more depressing than the way my eighth grade class sang it. But this song is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it's definitely the song you want to play at a funeral. And uh, I really, I I don't know, man. It was really powerful, and he gets Murtaugh gets slapped in the face by the mom, and he's like, you know, you want to do something about this, Sergeant Murtaugh? You find the guy that put the gun in my boy's hands, and then instantly, now you have the lethal weapon of the series is now Murtaugh because it's always Riggs. Now you flip over, and now you have Murtaugh. He goes up to this guy and he's just got a gun in his face and he's calling him mother F for this and mother F for that. And you never hear that kind of language coming out of Roger too much. It's always like, I'm too old for this crap or USOB. He never calls people mother effer. So you know things are crazy. And then they start torturing this one guy where they got him underneath the foot and you got Lorna just like pushing down the pedal gonna rip this guy's face off and he's like you better talk to me you know and he just starts going off on these dudes and it's awesome because now you get the flip side and Riggs is just sitting back watching the whole thing just kind of like wow look at the monster I've created you know and uh, Roger gets the job done man he gets the information he needs and it's kind of cool that you get the flip side to now the lethal weapon is now Murtaugh instead of Riggs it's pretty awesome and uh, I do love it when they talk to that one guy uh, who's underneath the car before Lorna comes in and whoops those guy where he goes uh, wrong. Riggs goes wrong answer, eh, 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 wrong answer. Eh. It's in the trailer. And then you see uh, Murtaugh doesn't know that she can fight. And uh, she's like, I got this. He goes, you're going to be all right, baby. Yeah, I got this. And he goes, Riggs, there's, there's like three of them, man. He goes, oh, no, watch this. And she takes him down. And this is where I saw the stunt woman on one of the roundhouse kicks. Otherwise, it was pretty solid. It always looked like Rene Russo. But there was just one roundhouse kick where I was like, ooh, that was a bad stunt woman shot. But uh, this scene is fun. You get to see her whoop some rear end. And I love it. He's just like, okay, I'm going to go help her now. You know, and it's just it's funny. I love it. It's great. Which then immediately turns into Kung Fu Roger, where Roger's like, okay, I want to kind of learn this Kung Fu stuff. And you get a funny scene where he's trying, where Riggs is trying to teach Murtaugh the roundhouse kick, and he ends up knocking the water over. And you just see the, the, psychologist, or the psychiatrist who has always had a thing against Riggs, who now they're like buddy buddies, like, you know, you look great in red. You know, and he's got his arm around her, and you could tell they're like friends, and she's all worried about Murtaugh dealing with the death of Daryl. And it's just, it's a funny scene. It's good times. And then, of course, we get Dolores showing up, you know, and uh, can you give these flowers to him? Where's he at? You know, and, and 
Murtaugh's trying to hide underneath the desk. And he's like, oh, yeah. Riggs says to her, yeah, he's right here. He's underneath the desk. And he all hits him. What's wrong with your leg, baby? You know, he's like, oh, no, I just have a nervous condition, you know. And I love it. It's like, well, you tell him he's a jam my jelly. You know, I just, I love her, man. She's great. And that's the last time you ever see Dolores. But uh, she's funny, man. She's a good comic relief. I dig her. And then, of course, we get the famous Leo FU scene. Love it. As we know in part two, they go on the drive-thru and he gets screwed over and he goes, they F you in the drive-thru and they F you here. Well, he comes back and he starts talking to, he starts complaining about the doctor and how, how can they give you a rectal exam for a gunshot? And he starts talking about how they shaved him and he's all itchy. And he goes, you know what? They F you at the doctor's office. They first, they drug you, then they F you. And he just goes off. And I love it because this is a common theme you're going to get from part two, this one. And then the next one involves him and Chris Rock, which I think that one is probably the best of the series. I don't remember it, but I just remember them going off together is great. But this one is better than the drive through one, especially the line, first they drug you, then they F you. It's like, oh, I was busting up laughing so bad at that. So good old Leo to the rescue with his, uh, with his normal F you montage. I love it. And then, of course, we get the sad scene to where, you know, the guys are, are going to go rescue the captain. And uh, the kid says, I'm 22 today. And they go to... You know, they get in a gunfight and, and he gets shot, man. He gets a cop killer and you have Riggs just say happy birthday today. The problem with this character is he wasn't on screen long enough for you to really care. I mean, you do care because he's a cop and he's a kid. But if he was in a few more scenes, it would have been more impactful. So that's probably the weak point of the film character wise is this kid. Because you're supposed to give a care that he died. But really, I'm just like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. But I'm not like, oh, devastated. You know what I mean? So this was kind of really the major flaw of the film is them wanting you to care about this guy. But they did so much in this movie of introducing new people. And this storyline is so big. Here's what I really dig about this movie that I didn't think happened. And it really focuses on the relationship of Riggs and Murtaugh more than anything else. You really don't get too much of the bad guys, too much of the cop killers. You just really get these two together, which in the second movie, you'd have a scene of them together and then you go back to the bad guys. You'd have a scene of them together. You know, you would always go back and forth. So you always remember the bad guys. There's a lot in this there's a lot in this movie to where you go 10 20 minutes and you're only dealing with the characters and then oh yeah you remember those bad guys let me bring them back in and, and remind you so i can't say that's a bad thing because i love these characters but i can see where some people might have a problem with that like well you're kind of forgetting about the bad guys i mean we go like 15 minutes where you don't even see murtaugh because you're building the relationship between lorna and riggs but I'm not going to complain. I actually like this better. The fact of this movie revolves around their relationship even more so than the bad guys. Then versus in the sequel of part two, you had a perfect balance. You had the perfect amount of Riggs and Murtaugh and the perfect amount of bad guys. This one focuses on Riggs and Murtaugh. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to complain about that. Some will and just say you don't have enough of the bad guys in there. But really... 
I don't care, man, I, because they do. They have some great, great scenes, and I'm really enjoying it. I think it would really hurt the film if you don't like Renee Russo's character because she is in the film a lot. And if you don't dig her, she'll become a problem for you and it will bring the movie down. But if you dig her, it will really help. Kind of like Joe Pesci's character, Leo. You would think that you would not like this guy. You would think he'd be annoying and you just think he wouldn't work. But he does and he kind of makes scenes better with Riggs and Murtaugh. Same thing with her. You know, she helps bring out the scenes and make the Riggs and Murtaugh scenes better, especially when they're all working together. A lot of comedy moments, a lot of action scenes, because there's the one, two, three thing. You know, Riggs always went before Murtaugh said, you know, one, two, three. Riggs would always leave. Well, now this time it's flipped to where she always goes out before they get to three and he yells at her. So it's a lot of uh, the stuff that. Murtaugh would yell at Riggs for Riggs is yelling at her for now which is a nice twist I really dig it because you're getting like Riggs 2.0 so that's the that's the one thing I noticed this time around that I really didn't notice before and that's why I've actually enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would Uh, I had a way lower score for this film than I actually end up with which I'll get to in just a little bit so I just want to I just want to say that right off the bat that I really love how much focus they do on these two guys but going back to the kid though because they focus so much on uh, Rene Russo and, and Mel Gibson and Danny Glover and Joe Pesci you didn't really have time to give a care about this kid so that's the flaw of the film is when this guy dies, eh, who cares, kind of thing. So, And then, of course, we get another callback to the films where Riggs is running after the car. In every movie, Riggs is always chasing after a car on foot. I love how they how they keep that. It's like they have certain formula uh, things they have to throw in the movies, and it always works. You know, they're always like, we got to have a Leo FU scene. We always got to have a car chase. We always got to have Riggs running after a vehicle. But they always change it up enough to where you're enjoying the new scenes that they're giving you. So you're like, I remember this from the other movies. But they're always doing the same. Not always, but there's various things that they always pull from the other two movies that they throw into this movie and the next movie that I really dig. And then, of course, we get the dislocated shoulder, which is great because they didn't forget that that whole thing occurred in part two. You know, Riggs falls down, goes through all the wood. Of course, you see the stuntman, but he's like, don't touch me, don't touch me. He has the same reactions that he did in part two, and he puts his shoulder back and just says, "That I'm pissed off, man. You know, I'm really pissed off. So now you're back to the lethal weapon of the series. Goes back to Riggs. It's no longer a Murtaugh. You automatically know, okay, we're back to Riggs being the lethal weapon. And Murtaugh's just like, yeah, I know you're pissed off. I always know what happens when you get that way. Okay, now uh, for Leo's exit, if you guys remember in part two, after they save Leo from the stilt house and they say, we'll see you later, Leo, he gets in the vehicle. He's like, you know, can I put the sirens on? You know, and then you didn't see him anymore. Well, we get the exit scene of Leo where it's another, you're dealing with the car again, but this time they shoot out his tires. Uh, at least I thought so. I thought, okay, this is the last time I'm going to see Leo until you see him at the very end. But originally I thought, well, this is the last time you see Leo. It's kind of like the part two setup, but they shoot out his tires, which is funny. And I just love how he says, I can't believe you did that. And he just repeats it over and over again, which again, you would think would be irritating and annoying, but it's not just the way he does it. And then immediately he's just like, you know, 
uh, do you need a house? You know, he instantly can switch his personality back to the business side when he's talking to that lady about, oh, do you need a house? Then we get to the climax of the film, the big shootout scene. I like how the boys uh, show up. They get in the trunk. They pull out some guns, and then Lorna's right behind them. And she's like, put your guns down, boys. Oh, you have fresh ones? You know, because they're comparing scars earlier. And then uh, they go in, guns blazing. She's like, okay, one, two, and then three. And she goes out, and uh, they start yelling at her about that. But this is a great scene. Um, When she got shot, man, I really thought first time I saw it, I thought she was dead. Here's what I really enjoy, though, about the scene is the fact of when Riggs sees her, he thinks that she's dead and he's like, great, this is three women that I've lost already, which really infuriates him even more to go after Jack. I really like the choreography here because there's a lot of fire going around, but yet they're fighting the whole time. And uh, you have uh, Murtaugh doing some Kung Fu and he's like, wow, this really works. There's one scene where this guy's going to shoot him and he grabs this bucket of gasoline and throws it at him and the guy catches on fire. It's a pretty awesome ending. I really dig it. I love the whole end sequence where you think Jack's going to kill Riggs and Murtaugh throws him the gun, cop killers and shoots and ends up killing him. And uh, then, of course, we get him going up to Lorna and finds out she had two vests on and knows that she's going to be okay and basically yells at her and just says, you know, you can't do this. You know, how can you grow old with somebody when you go out and do these crazy things? It's like it's kind of like him talking to himself, you know, and then tells her that he loves her and wants to be with her. And he says, let's let's regret this, you know. And it was really cool. I don't ever, I didn't remember him saying I love you to her, which was pretty awesome. I thought he says that in part four. I didn't know he says it in part three. So that was pretty awesome. And then we get back in the good old bathtub like we had earlier in the films of, you know, Murtaugh's always got to be in the bathtub, but they come in happy retirement day, do the singing. He's like, I can't retire. You know, after that whole talk I had with Riggs that I can't tell you about, I just can't do it to him. I got to stay on the force. Leo comes in. I sold this termite infested house. We're staying in this termite infested house another 10 years. And then um, it's funny scene because Nick's like, word, dad. And then, uh, you know, he's like, word, Nick, you know, and you get the the bond is still there between those two. The, the family's supportive of them. Leo's going crazy about how you need to buy me two tires and uh, Trish knocks him out and then they kiss and there's this funny joke about uh, when Leo comes into the bathtub and he sticks his hand in there. He's like cold water. He goes, I didn't know that Riggs could stay down there too long. He goes, uh, there goes your image and he starts laughing and then when he pulls Trish into the bathtub, he says, let's work on that image and it was just real funny. I mean, obviously, if you're a kid watching this, it goes over your head. But it was really awesome. And then he comes out and there they go again. They're fighting. He's like, I'm not retiring, man. And he goes, I'm driving. And they just start going off. And he goes, you stay away from Rianne. He goes, I'm not, you know, how could you say it? He always has that thing where you're after my daughter. But he's like, no, I'm serious, man. We're, we're going to get together. I'm with Lorna, man. We're good together. And, and then, of course, ended on a high note of they get another call. There's the bomb. And. You know, no, we're not going to do this. I'm too old for this crap. And then the movie ends. So uh, as far as my rating goes, guys, I got to say, from the top of my head, I knew that this was the weakest of the series. So I think I had it at like going into it. I was thinking this was going to be like a three star film. But as I really have enjoyed this film and seen it in different lights, especially that scene on the boat 
I'm going with my score of a very strong, solid four-star with the caveat of if I watch part four and I find that I like it less than I think I do, I'll raise it to four and a half. Because the first movie, I believe I gave five stars. Like I gave it a strong four and a half, week five. And I gave part two a very strong five stars. This one, I give a solid four. Very solid four. And I could raise it up to four and a half if part four isn't as awesome as I think it is. So I've re- I I increased by a whole star on this film because I really thought Jack would bring it down. But all the other stuff makes up for his crap. And it was just really, really fun. And I really dig it. I'm really happy they made a fourth one, man. Because I re- I'm really glad how they gave closure to the film uh, series. And we'll get there when we get there next week. But overall, it would have been a really great trilogy had they ended on this one. So that's it for my review, guys. Let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, guys. So uh, email-wise, I only got one email this time. I was kind of surprised. You know, last episode I got a lot, but it's okay. I know things have been kind of quiet in the STL land, you know, on the uh, on the group page. Uh, it's been kind of dead in there. I know we've been playing the word game, but a lot of us haven't been playing it for a quite a while and you know it's fine we all have lives and everything like that so i know it's been kind of quiet in there so i really was okay with the fact that i only got one email thank you anthony uh for writing in sir at least i have something so here's what anthony had to say he's like hey there masunis uh i have been enjoying the reviews you've been doing for the lethal weapon series i already gave my thoughts concerning the first movie but since i missed sending an email for the sequel here's what i think about the second movie lethal weapon 2 was a great way to continue from how the first movie went all the characters had developed and didn't feel that they were just rehashing things, which I agree with you 100% on that, sir. And like you, I thought that the adding of Leo Getz would hurt things, but he fits and haven't considered him unnecessary. The sequel is definitely something you should watch along with the original film. Definitely a 5 out of 5. Very good, sir. Now on to Lethal Weapon 3. Again, they're showing how Riggs and Murtaugh are continuing to develop to the greatest of friends, to basically family. They've really established during the scenes on Murtaugh's boat when Riggs admits that he considers his partner's family his own, shows how, in a way, they've become dependent on each other. We're again introduced to a new character by the name of Lorna Cole. Much like Getz, I wasn't sure about whether she was necessary, but in the end of this movie and the fourth movie, I felt that she was another nice addition and gave something new for Riggs to have that was only mentioned in passing with his dead wife and brief relationship he had with the girl in the previous film. I also liked the villain Jack Edward Travis. While I feel that perhaps he might have been the weakest bad guy in the film series, he still proved to be a threat and if things turned out better, might have succeeded in his plans. Which I agree with that statement, sir. Uh, he is the weakest villain of the series, but I did find him more threatening this time around um, versus all the previous times I've watched it because, you know, um, you know, I've I've said my piece about him, but I agree with what you what you said there, sir. No doubt about it. As a whole, I got to say that Lethal Weapon Three, uh, while my least 
popular in the film series. It gets a basic 2.5 out of 5 for me. I enjoyed it and felt it should be watched at least once if you're getting into the series or if you're doing a rewatch of it. That's all for my email. We'll try to email. We'll try to end another for the final uh, lethal weapon, but making no promises. So thank you, Anthony, the epic emailer, as always, for writing in, sir. Good points. I agree with you, sir, on that. Um, obviously, I had a higher rating than you, but I think it's just because I had such different different expectations or you know different memories, and I was pleasantly surprised in what I saw, which is probably why I gave it such a uh, higher score than you, sir. But thanks so much for writing in. Good times. Hope to hear from you on the next movie. All right, that's it for emails. Let's get into the music spotlight. All right, for this music spotlight, this is a song that I've been wanting to play for quite a while. I heard this song a while ago, and I just never got around to playing it. And uh, as you guys know, WrestleMania is on Sunday, and I'm a big, big wrestling fan. As you guys know, I'm the Rock's biggest fan. Now, the theme song for WrestleMania is that P. Diddy song, or or Puff Daddy, whatever the hell his name is. Now, in the music news how his uh, you know I'm coming home song is the theme song. I'm not a big fan of that song. It's okay, but I think that the song that they've been playing in the commercials and various promos is way better of a song. And that's uh, Hall of Fame by The Script. That song is awesome. I've always wanted to play it, and it fits. So this is kind of dedicated to all the WrestleMania fans out there. But this song is just great. It's, I believe it has Will I Am in it from the Black Eyed Peas. And it's by the script. It's called Hall of Fame. It's excellent. I dig this tune. And then next week, I'll have brand new music for you. It actually comes out on Tuesday. I'm pumped up about it. And it's going to be my next music spotlight. And I'm very excited for that. So uh, as far as next week goes, please vote for that Fast and Furious uh question i have up there so i know if i should start off with the series next week as an individual series or maybe i should do it as just one lump episode then i won't worry about it too much so next week i'll be doing lethal weapon 4 closing out the series and then we'll be moving into the rocky series if you want to write in please do so sweep delay podcast yahoo.com or stl podcast at gmail.com if you want to follow on twitter it's stl podcast if you want to uh, join the Facebook group, it's the STL Nation on Facebook. Please like the Facebook page. There's only 56 people that like that sucker. I like to get a little bit more. If you want to review the show on iTunes, please do so. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show dramatically. Uh, there's also an app. If you have the iPhone or iPad, if you go to the Facebook page, I have put instructions up on how you can get this show to be an app on your iPhone or iPad. It's a pretty awesome app. And uh, I think that's about it. Don't forget to check out my boys, my sh- other friends, their shows. We have Jameson, America's co-host, Movie Mojo Monthly. Newest episode came out. Go check it out. There's a great f- debate between G.I. Joe with him and Brian. Uh, don't forget my boy Jason. 
on uh, Flicks, Film and Focus, Show Me the Winston, and the Crossroads podcast. If you like Knight Rider, head on over to the Shadowy Flight podcast. And uh, I know there hasn't been a new episode up. That's because it's for Goliath Returns. I'm still trying to work out, getting together with Jason, but uh, may have to just do that one myself. We'll see how that one goes. And then uh, starting next week, I'm going to be on a wrestling podcast every week. It's going to be a weekly uh, podcast. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm not the host, and I don't have to edit the thing or anything. I just have to show up and talk about it. So that's why it'll be easy for me. Uh, I don't have to do all the hard work behind the scenes. It'll be fun. But it's going to be a weekly show. It's going to be about an hour long where we digest uh, the ins and outs of uh, Monday Night Raw every week, the pay-per-views, all that fun stuff. I think we're going to call it face versus heel because I'm more of the good guy when it comes to wrestling. He's more of the bad guy. We always debate and go off each other. So there's going to be a lot of debating in every episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I will give you guys the information to that when it comes out next week. And uh, if you like TV shows, check out Change Channel's podcast. I know we haven't done one in a little bit, but that's because Jameson had a new baby. So we'll be back probably at the end of the month. And uh, I think that's it, man. So looking forward to next week. Please email in on that. And uh, I'm looking forward to closing out the Lethal Weapon series. I'm going to go watch me some uh, Finish the Dark Knight. I put the Dark Knight on last night. I got through half of it and fell asleep because it was so late. So I'm going to go finish that bad boy. Man, I love that movie. So good. So, all right, guys. You guys have a great week. And hopefully we will talk on the uh, Facebook group. Keep in touch. So, you guys take care. Masunas out.
be leaders, be astronauts, be champions, be truth seekers, be students, be teachers, be politicians, be preachers, be preachers, be believers, be leaders, be astronauts, be champions. Yeah.